Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Baby Friday with a side of smoky barbecue iced coffee. Excuse me? That's right. I'm drinking a little iced coffee with a little smoky twang to it this morning. From the air quality? From the air quality. The the man handing me the iced coffee through the drive-thru, touching the air in the straw, I taste really a smoky flavoring. Maybe that's a new... Uh, a new twist on the summer menus. There is a nice, like, I mean, it's, we, sh- yeah, I mean, not excited about uh, the air quality at the Definitely moment. Definitely not. Uh, but there is, like, a decent smell in the air. That's what I'm saying. Like, it is. Like, I smell lingering. it more than th- my, like, sense that is most affected is the smell. Like, I'm not really, am I blinded by the smoke? Am I having trouble breathing? No, we're fortunate to mm-hmm. not be as affected as others. But it smells like there's smoke wafting through the air out there. I had my windows open yesterday in my house. Uh, well, I don't own a house. In my apartment. Mm-hmm. And it, things are starting to maintain the scent. When I close them up, I'm like, why does this towel smell like smoke? <laughs> Bunker smells like smoke. Mm, is that why you had a he shower had a yesterday? bath yesterday after yeah. going to the park. But shower? Do dog shower? Yeah, bath. But it's smoky out there, folks. It's so smoky that... Pending some news, maybe we're gonna talk about the Canadian Open. I don't get everyone. No, no, no. Don't be alarmed. We're pending a conversation with our guy Adam Stanley at seven about the Canadian Open. Other things have been canceled. Yes, in the world, including MLB games last night. If you've seen New York, it looks like an apocalyptic movie. Yeah, it looks like it looks like you know I envision Bane. Mars. Like Bane oh. is like. About to yes, arrive. Emerge. Gotham yeah, emerge. City is like real. They canceled their baseball games yesterday. They even canceled Broadway shows, which I don't really understand the logic of. Uh, WNBA games were canceled yesterday. Woodbine here canceled the horses. Mm. They put the horses away. Horses in the back. Remember that song? Yeah. And the Jays probably would have canceled their baseball game if they didn't have a roof. So there you go, roof win. Which begs the question, should 150-plus golfers be spending five to six hours outside in Toronto's conditions right now? Should we, because we have a tea time plan for after the show, should we be going out after the show? Uh, I will say, though, on on, on the, the canceled games and clearly people are dealing with the effects of all this smoke, Lot of emphasis on Canadian wildfires. Yeah, a lot of Americans we're getting in a lot of really, trouble online. Like there haven't been wildfires anywhere else. Hello, the West Coast. It is like like chaos, we're the ones responsible for global warming. Lives. I'm like, sorry that our forests are literally on fire. Where's this? Like we're struggling. But you guys every, gotta take the care of the planet just as much as us. Every headline is about how Canada's ruining everyone's lives. I'm like, think about. We're struggling too. Anyone yeah. asked how our fires are going, like how we're doing? How we're doing, yeah. But no, it looks terrible. It is terrible in New York. Obviously, if you look at any information in any accessible format, you're seeing the state of New York. And it's uh, it's freaky. We're a little bit more fortunate up here for now, but the fires are here. So, you know, keep an eye on yeah. how things change. But yes, the are Canadian you, Open. Are you concerned about either the Canadian Open or our golf game? I am a little concerned, but I will say built-in excuse for me, okay. I take a tee shot, can't find the ball, 
the Lost smoke. in the haze? Smoke took it. Smoke monster. Okay. Hopefully actually it like acts like a little vacuum or a little, uh, what would those things be called? Swirling. A not tornado. a Not a tornado. <laughs> not a, like a whirl, whatever, whirlpool. Like that action where everything kind of goes. That's liquid. Stays, but, but like yeah. that, that, but air. So someone will, help, someone will help me out. I think you're talking about a cyclone. Maybe. Okay. I don't know where I was going. But if that acts like that and just hovers over every fairway and keeps everything straight, it would be, be wonderful. Nice. Yeah, we we got we hitting up. There's gotta be some benefit to this. We're hitting up our weekly golf game today. Uh we'll see how things go with the weather, um, with the smoke. We'll see if the, the professionals will play just down down the road from us. Seven o'clock is the first tee times. We're gonna talk to Adam Stanley at exactly seven o'clock. Maybe he'll have some news on what the situation is. Today's supposed to be the worst of the days. I'm, so. tr- I'm trying to diagnose myself because I did a little uh, yard work yesterday, and I'm not. I'm a contact wearer, and uh, if you have allergies, it can be a bit of an issue with contacts. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's not allergies. Maybe it's the smoke that's affecting. So you got the smoky my eyes barbecue eyeballs today. It might be that because I was outside yesterday. I'm not even it's really like when you're chopping with like cayenne peppers and it gets in your eyes. So what are you dealing with? Yeah. Quick text in here. Vortex. Is that what you meant? I think I was going with Vortex, yeah. Little also, vortex. someone says Twisting microburst. Action. Vortex. I don't know what a microburst is, but that's another text. So, All right. Well, stay tuned for more info on the smoke. Hopefully, you get to see the Canadian Open tee what, off today. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, what would they do? Like, I what, don't know. Like, if it's unplayable today, maybe today's the worst day, but still. Do they move, like, round one to Saturday? And It's not like, oh, when it stops being smoky outside, we'll start playing. Like, I don't, like, I don't think that fires works. aren't going like to turn rain. off. No. It would, be, it would be pretty tough. They've had a tough... I mean, we got lots to talk about today. We got golf news. We got Messi to MLS. We got Jays. But it would be a pretty bad additional thing for the Canadian Open to have to deal with. They've already had the news dump of the century. Mm-hmm. Now they're fielding that whole drama. And now they might have the smoke. Well, this would be the worst, for sure. If you have to postpone or move to tournament, like what about our buddy Crawdaddy this morning? He's yeah, probably Crawd- freaking out. I don't think, like he, when he came on with us, it was like 30 minutes before that announcement. His life has changed dramatically <laughs> it, in the last day. Things were so easy. You work all year for this and everything's kind of, you got everything under control. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we've got Saudis taking over the world of golf <laughs> and smoke wafting through Toronto threatening the threatening the play of uh, the RBC Canadian Open. It's not probably been easy behind closed doors over there at Oakdale. Oh boy, has it not um we're going to find out more information. Adam Stanley, sports at golf writer analyst coming at 7, uh, Tony Miola at 7:30. Former USA national team goalkeeper. We're talking about Messi at MLS. He's obviously working MLS on Fox Color Analyst and host of Sirius XM. FC, uh, Julia Kreutz is going to join us at 8. Blue Jays report from MLB.com. And legend, legendary head coach, <clears throat> John Calipari, uh, Kentucky Wildcats head coach, basketball, uh, 2-12 national champion as well. He's got his hands in this uh, this NBA final in many facets. Yeah. Former players. He's got players coming out of the pipeline. We're going to chat with maybe Raptors esque. That's a bit of a stretch, but there's some some Raptors esque rumors there. But he's got you know the Jamal Murray connection and more. So we got him at eight thirty. A big day here on the Fan Morning Show. And we'll keep you updated on the smoke. 
Let's start with Blue Jays, though, because uh, uh, that was a quick and efficient outing from Chris Bassett. That guy, it's like he was pitching like he's got another baby on the on the on the. Uh, I guess on the way. On the way, two hours and three minutes. <laughs> like if you blinked, you missed it. Now, uh, just uh, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but why did people love Mark Burley so much? Efficient. Was it just the efficiency? Was it just that he worked quickly? Because Bassett is on a track to, to use your word, yep. usurp Burley. It's upsurp. <laughs> in every sense of, of the word. I mean, this guy is pitching so dominantly, but more importantly for us and everybody else who loves a quick baseball game. Oh. Efficiently, I could not believe when I saw the pitch count at uh, through six innings, fifty pitches mm-hmm. against the Houston Astros. I know it's a diminished offense, diminished lineup to a certain extent, but this is a really good team, and he is just breezing, breezing through. And again, he's a guy who has to go through the repertoire of pitches. What? How many has he got? I, I think it's broken telephone a little bit, but it's double digits, at least two dozen. It's and he's just you know he's just making those decisions between the twenty four pitches he has very very efficiently and quickly. So two hours and three minutes was the shortest nine innings Blue Jays game since twenty fourteen when that was Mark Burley on the mound. That was one hour and fifty nine minutes, and this is pitch clock time now. But an hour and forty sorry fifty nine minutes back in twenty fourteen, people oh, were probably man. stunned. They yeah. probably went to the bathroom, came back, the game was over. That's how quick. But last night, a very efficient outing from Chris Bassett, piling on what was what wow, we were stunned with what he did last Friday night with his baby on the way. He was at, playing the Mets, his former team. He flies back on the private plane afterwards, gets the birth of his son, Colson. You thought, okay, like that was pretty re- remarkable. Last night was just as good. As you said, 50 pitches got through six innings. Um, he's got five Ks, but the conversation is, 81 pitches going into the ninth. Mm-hmm. And Jordan Romano comes out to get the save instead of a second complete game for Chris Bassett in less than a month, right? There was that on the table. Originally, I was very frustrated with this decision. Were you very frustrated? No, that's an example. Or were you just like, oh, I wish I could that, have That it. was more like it. I was like, oh, come on, keep him in. And, you know, yeah. they kept... And then Sportsnet loves... They're so, they're so good with their camera crew it's like side by side every single play on the field the cut to chris bassett then they, they show jordan romano and mm-hmm. you know something happens they cut to chris bassett the sweat like, beating yeah, off it, his forehead and he's such a he's such a pro but you just know in the back of his mind he's like come on man just like don't ruin this for me um so he put romano in and he gets very very fortunate at one point kevin kiermeyer old dreamy eyes jamie Jim campbell things, yeah Makes the save that saved the, that game from saves going. Saves the save. Saves the save. Uh, he owes him a stake or something for that because he got a little lucky there. But nonetheless, Romano gets the save. Bassett gets eight innings pitched, almost a complete game, but obviously the win. And I was a little bit f- not frustrated, perturbed, perturbed. That's. I mean, that's pretty close to frustrated. Uh, Might be more than frustrated. Okay. Anyway, but then I listen. I mean, Blair and Barker always level it up for me, and they were very... So even after the win, you were annoyed? Well, I mean, the, the win ended, and then immediately I listened to Blair and Barker. It was about five seconds. Good good point <laughs> okay. that the Still after. fourth time through the rotation and the two guys up at bat had both either gotten two hits or four career home runs against Chris Bassett, and then Chris Bassett after the game even like acknowledged, like, you know what, like, I'm always going to be one that goes against analytics, but he said, like, have you seen my numbers against these guys? They weren't that great. So mm. we can all kind of 
put down the pitchforks. It does make sense. But I like a complete game. Well, I mean, get the pitchforks out if he if he blows if he blew the well, save, which he was very close to doing. Yeah, I mean, I I like you. I kind of romanticize the complete game. The complete, it's pretty cool. Like I, I love when a pitcher just takes it on himself and does mm-hmm. it all and goes wire to wire and shuts down a team and they have absolutely no answer because. Or, or they're not, they don't have that lifeline where it's just like, oh, we finally got him out of the game. Maybe we can do something with the next guy. I love when a pitcher goes the distance. I think it is one of the things that perturbs me most about baseball Good word today. is the use of the bullpen or overuse of a bullpen because I just like seeing guys go out there and, and handle business themselves. Again, I'm with you, same way. I was like, ah, let him do it. Come on. Mm-hmm. But I'm also, you know, I, I agree with process oriented stuff and. The process when you have a closer like Jordan Romano is to trust him yes. in safe situations against good teams and against the meat of teams lineup. So ultimately, like I, I, I kind of I didn't wait till after the game to to be OK with it. Uh, and it mm-hmm. certainly helped that Kevin Kiermeyer made that uh, diving stop or sliding stop to make sure that uh, the Blue Jays did, in fact, win the game. But, yeah, I'm with you. It's just like you, sometimes you your performance merits the extra bit of leash or the um, ability to go against analytics mm-hmm. like Chris Bassett was talking about. Yeah, sometimes you earn that right. Maybe he did earn that right in the moment, but a Blue Jays win two or three so far against the Houston Astros. That's more important. I'm not going to get too up in arms about yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, last night I picked the Rangers to win, right? John Gray was my guy. He pitched a complete game last night, 100, in, uh, 100 pitches, um, 100 innings, 100 pitches and allowed – one run and they lost one nothing. Oh, I thought you were no fully patting yourself on the back. No, there. and I, didn't I you know that. it was. Uh, but my, there you my go. pick lost, so I just stopped paying attention. A complete to everything else. game on one side um, of the MLB, but we were close with Chris Bassett. And I, that's more reason to right when mm-hmm. you're when you are trying to get that pitcher the win. You keep him yes. out there. He's rolling. You keep it going because someone's going to step up for that guy. A little bit of a different scenario when. You have the lead, yep. you have the closer, and you have the meat of the order coming up. And different situation, and we've seen this a few times where, and maybe not as much this this season, but I remember having this conversation many times, at least last year, where a Blue Jays pitcher would be pulled when they're getting close to 90 pitches just because of sports science, right? And they were in a groove, and they, yeah. were, they were cooking along well, and it was like, okay, quick, quick yank because you're getting close to 90 pitches. That wasn't the situation last night. Obviously, 81 pitches. It wasn't more of a rest versus like, you know, let's try to win this game. It was for Jordan Romano to get the save and obviously with the lineup coming up. So in the end, great decision. It aged well. But if Jordan great, Romano... You're now great decision. If that if that had Maybe the right aged decision. poorly and the Blue Jays lost the game, we'd be coming on with a different story. Nonetheless, Chris Bassett and our guy, Kevin Gosman, are now tied for the MLB lead in... Innings pitched, tied with 82 innings pitched this season. Yeah. Uh, really, Both of them. I mean, that might be somewhat a product of Manoa's struggles. I mean, these are the guys mm-hmm. that follow Manoa. So it's like, hey, we just taxed our bullpen. Can you guys give us a little bit more? But you also can't fake that, right? You can't fake legitimate yep. innings logged. And Kevin Gosman and Chris Bassett have logged those innings because they have been dominant and they can get through the order multiple times against the opposition. So that's a major credit to those guys. And I was kind of thinking yesterday a little bit about like the repercussions of Manoa, a one turning into not even a five and where that leaves you and what that means for maybe your playoff chances, what that means in a fight in the wild card race with a team like the Houston Astros. And it, it doesn't 
appear overly like it is a little bleak when you think about like who the competition is Houston and the Yankees and Baltimore. Mm -hmm. Can you possibly be better than those teams if you've lost a guy like Alec Manoa? And I'm thinking about where that leaves the rotation. And in my mind, it's like, okay, you got a legitimate one here in Kevin Gosman. He was a two to start, but he's a one. And what do you have between Barrios and Bassett? I I came to the conclusion, maybe wrongly, that maybe you got two threes at best because Bassett's a three and maybe Barrios can perform like a three. But Chris Bassett is performing like a two. So maybe things are okay, and you can actually, from the bottom, fill in and still maintain what you had if Kevin Gosman can be the one he has been, if Basket can be the two he has been, mm-hmm. and Barrios can be the three he has been. I think that'll all sort of settle itself down if you can actually bring in a fifth guy, and we'll talk about it on the weekend or over the weekend, who can give you quality innings and can leave you in a position where you don't have to rely exclusively on Gosman and Bassett to just reset your pitching staff because of what you lost the previous night. There were really no two better people to come in and pitch after Alec Minot's disaster on Monday night. Kevin Gosman with his career tie and career high in strikeouts. And then last night, Chris Bassett being quick, efficient dynamite on the mound to help change the vibes around this team. You've got Jose Barrios on the mound tonight. That three-headed monster, I think, is still, I don't know, top 10 is, is I mean, there's still, it could even be better than top 10. We'll have Julia Kreutz on today to mm. kind of get her take on it. But it's a pretty good three-man rotation without your number one ace who was put in that spot, maybe wrongfully so this year. And you've got Kevin Gosman and, and Bassett and Brios um, and even and- Kikuchi. And I know he's not, like, Kikuchi is in Grapefruit League. Kikuchi, he has maybe stabilized a little bit, but Kikuchi's the, giving you good fifth starter. That's things. what you need. Yeah. Like he's not, he's not going above and beyond a fifth starter, but that's what he is as a fifth starter between the four of them. They've still got a 343 ERA combined um, and a 23 and 13 record. Like that's what more could you ask for? pretty good for four guys that are maybe pitching a little bit out of comfort or out of character right now because of their number one, now in the Florida Complex League. Interesting contrast, too, because you think about what Manoa is going through and basically everyone else in the pitching staff uh, has gone through, through something similar, mm-hmm. right? Like Chris Bassett was talking yesterday about the, all, the multiple times he's been optioned and what it means for Manoa and his confidence in Manoa. Kevin Gosman was lost himself after being such a high pick, yep. you know, lost his confidence. Teams lost belief in him. He's rebuilt. He becomes a lucrative money-making pitcher and ace for his staff that was looking to invest in him. And Jose Barrios, we we just saw the story last year. Like, he didn't have the same result where he had to, there had to be an intervention where he had to go somewhere else. But Jose Barrios struggled for the large part of all of last season, and he's found a way to rebound. So, I mean, it's it's kind of the life of a pitcher. It's the way that it goes. And Manoa, while we thought maybe, hey, he's completely different. This guy's maybe mm-hmm. unicorn status. Maybe he's different than the normal guys who come up and make a statement and just are consistent throughout like it's that's a rare rare case for people and pitchers to be and uh, to be like that and have a career trajectory like that so it's a good reminder that hey Manoa's not lost he's mm-hmm. just got to rebuild and rebuild that confidence and he can be just like Bassett just like Gosman and maybe just like Barrios uh in terms of bounce back ability we've had two really great baseball games in a row uh Chris uh Chris Bassett and and Jose Barrios or and Kevin Gosman. Now we've got Jose Brios tonight against Framber Valdez. So another great pitching matchup um, against this Houston Astros team. Blue Jays looking to conclude this series tonight with a win. That's at seven o'clock. Um, Bo Bichette, another uh, second straight game with a home run. 
I mean, it's just like we're running out of ways to describe Bobachet's dominance. He's looking good defensively as well, feeling like he made a couple of big plays yesterday, which helps like round out. I mean, that was always the the point of contention with Bo. You know, is is he supposed to be where he is? Is he is he a plus defensively? He's proving that that's maybe not the right narrative again this season. And then Brandon Belt, like I. The MVP chance were tongue in cheek. He brought them up and he was, you know, he was joking a little bit about it, but he's kind of manifesting it, right? Yeah. He yeah. is. He's manifesting it a bit. He's had, he's got a over a thousand OPS since May, second best in the MLB. This is, this is like foul money with Brandon Belt, right? Because the beginning of the season, he was not this Brandon Belt. We had lots of conversations about the point of frustration we had with him, with uh, Dalton Varsho, and they have certainly helped. Turn that narrative around at a, at a time where, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hasn't been hot. Looks like George Springer is rounding back into form, but he was injured and dealing with a lot of, like, an illness. So, like, he was kind of a question mark. And Bo has been Bo Bichette, But you're getting some some value and some contributions from the middle and the bottom of the lineup. And Kirk as well did that yesterday. So, Brandon Bell manifesting MVP might be something to keep an eye on there. Yeah, just a gorgeous swing uh, last mm. night on that home run. There's something about a lefty. Like, that just aesthetically... I mean, it's just I'm a lefty. you and I are lefties that uh, we, we I, maybe I just find it. Well, it just you're looks just like, a little oh, different. I want mine to look like uh, that. Yeah, lefty <laughs> slugger uh, taking a ball yard. And maybe it was just the swing. Maybe it was just the way uh, that he read the pitch. But wow, what a swing and what mm-hmm. a moment for Brendan Belt. And the moments are piling up, as you mentioned, for him. I still think, you know, you said found money. Yeah, he can perform like the guy who you need in the middle of the order. For periods. Can mm-hmm. he do it for a season? Can he do it when it matters the most in the postseason? I still feel like another impact lefty bat is what gives you a World Series type lineup with Brendan Belt hitting a little lower in the lineup. Um, but yeah, he's performing right now like that guy that this team was desperate for uh, last season and into the offseason. On Bichette, um, I no reason ever to turn off Dan and Buck. But I'm at the point now with Bichette where I want to know what others are saying about him. Mm. I want to know what the opposing broadcast is saying about him. Like because how they're it seems approaching like him, too. He's, yeah, he's sort of transcending into, oh, great player, into, hey, this is the biggest issue for us, and mm. we've got to deal with it. And how other people are talking about Bo Bichette uh, is definitely uh, interesting me because we've sort of reached the wall for ourselves. Yeah. It's like, what more can we say about Bo Bichette? What more can Dan and Buck say about Bo Bichette? He's been everything for this team. He's been remarkable. Uh, this is maybe even beyond uh, expectations, what the expectations were for this player right now. He's playing so, so well. The last 15 games, he's uh, batting three, uh, yeah, he's 359, five home runs, 12 RBIs, um, and slugging percentage of 641. I'm just looking at his stats. Like, he's just... His his small sample size is great. Season-long sample size is great. If we're looking for external, you know, perspective on Bo, we usually have John Morosi on weekly. We'll see if we have have him tomorrow. That's a good look. I mean, he's pretty level-headed in terms of what the league is saying. Uh, Julia Kreutz will join us today. She's a Blue Jays writer, but she can get some perspective on, like, what are the Astros saying when they come in? Like, how are they approaching Bo Bichette? Because it doesn't seem to be working for anyone. And they got the All-Star game about a month-plus away. He's obviously going to be... I think he's got to be the Blue Jays' number one option, of course. I mean, Vladdy gets a lot of love and voting from the fan base, but this is a year, obviously. for This is Bobichette's season right now, so I'm assuming that he'll get the majority of the votes, but there'll be some other people sprinkled in there. Um, big moment from Kirk last night, and much-needed moment, I think, from Kirk. He's, he's 
Compared to Kirk last season, who we were currently about 12 months ago pushing the Kirk uh, for All-Star game, Mm -hmm. it hasn't been Kirk for All-Star game as of this point of this year, but a big moment, delivers in it, and good on John Schneider for that. Kind of on that belt trajectory, right? Like Mm -hmm. maybe things were a little uncomfortable to start the year, late spring training, injury, like those two were like, hey, delayed onset to start the season and now both of them have gotten their seasons fully started at least it seems i mean brandon belt maybe a little bit ahead of alejandro kirk but a big moment for him driving in a run as a pinch hitter uh and giving the blue jays the lead that uh jordan romano would hold yeah so blue jays now getting a little bit of um distance from the boston red sox their records 35 and 28 red sox 31 and 31 so blue jays still nine and a half games back but one and a half games back from the wild card spot mm. So that's that's going to be the thing to keep an eye on. Like, we're not catching the Tampa Bay Rays now, but we can start talking about wild card spots, at least keeping an eye on that. Um, all right, so Blue Jays back in action tonight. Jose Barrios and Fran Rivaldez on the mound. That'll be a great pitching matchup. Yeah, speaking uh, of all-stars. There you go. Um, 7 p.m. on Sportsnet 1, Sportsnet Now, Sportsnet 590, the fan streaming on sportsnet.ca slash 590, and the Sportsnet app because, also, you've got Game 3 of Vegas Golden Knights and Florida Panthers. That's at 8. So two big games tonight, and the Canadian Open teeing off, hopefully, at 7 a.m. Okay. We got Rory. We got uh, updates on the golf world. And we've got Messi coming to MLS. And we've got NBA game three. Want to go to Rory? Yeah, let's do Rory quick. Okay, because we will um, follow up with this with our guest at 7, Adam Stanley. Uh, but Rory got his opportunity right when we ended the show yesterday to get on the podium um, and discuss what's been going on with the um I guess the live PGA merger. I still, we're still understanding how to properly format that sentence, uh, this new league, et cetera. Uh, but Rory got a moment uh, to talk in front of the media. Well, just to interrupt you there for a second, mm-hmm. because he, that was the one thing that was, he was really adamant about was this is no live merger. Yes. This he said is, that many times. This is the Saudis buying the PGA and running the PGA tour. Uh, and live is still a separate thing that he has doesn't want anything to do with mm-hmm. and won't have anything to do with. This is not a merger. This is, hey, the people that own Live, well, they also own us now. Actually, let's play that clip about hating Live because if he said one thing consistently in the last year, the last 52 weeks, 12 months of this conversation from Canadian Open to Canadian Open, he still says that he hates Live. A lot of fans are upset at this news. The, the war of words between the PGA Tour and Liv got very heated and fans got very involved. What do you say to fans who are disappointed in this deal? But it's not Liv. I think that's the thing. I still hate Liv. Like, I hate Liv. Like, I, I hope it goes away, and I fully expect that it does. Um, and I think that's where the distinction here is. This is the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the PIF. Very different from Live. All I've got, tried to do is protect what the PGA Tour is and what the PGA Tour stands for, and I think it will continue to to do that. Um, so, look, going forward, I hope that there's, you know, there may be a team element, and you're going to see maybe me, maybe whoever else play in some sort of team golf. But I don't think it'll look anything like Live has looked, and I think that's a good thing. Okay, so his stance on live remains. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to unpack here. What was your biggest you know, takeaway from the Rory comments? Because to me, it felt like he had maybe softened a little bit on some of his stance. Definitely softened, but I actually wasn't surprised by a single thing he said. Mm-hmm. It was actually exactly what I expected because um, 
it, it felt like yesterday we were talking about, oh, did he know? He kind of admitted that he did that he did know. I don't know if he knew the specifics. He wasn't one of the four people, was it, in the boardroom that no. actually got this deal done. Uh, but it felt like he was bracing for it. Or if you just track his actions and follow those breadcrumbs, you might have been able to arrive at this sort of decision or something like that. Um, I guess the thing that stuck out the most was that it was a reminder that he's not like Mr. Human Rights. He's Mr. PGA Tour, mm. and he wants the PGA Tour to survive. And for that reason, he's okay with the PGA Tour being Saudi-funded. He's not like a guy who's been all about human rights and morality. He's a guy that's played in the Middle East before, has been criticized for uh, representing that area of the world uh, openly. So it's it, it's not, and I guess there's you know there's differences between where he's been and where the people that now run the uh, the PGA Tour uh, are. But it, it never was really about that for him. It's about protection of the PGA Tour and something that mm-hmm. he loves and something that he may run one day, if we're b- really being honest with ourselves. He bleeds the PGA Tour. He doesn't care as much about where the money is coming from, at least in my opinion. I think that's always been that way. And I think exactly what he said yesterday kind of proved that. But I think it's just a classic, if you can't beat him, join him. Mm. And if it meant turning over to that side in order to vanquish what they have built which is live he's willing to do it because he's all about pga tour the pga tour making money golfers on the pga tour making money and in the end defeating live the enemy that he is most perturbed by (laughs) three times three times trifecta yeah i mean i just I, i think that's what rory's always been about and yesterday while he may be a little disappointed with where we got to he's okay if the Saudis run the PGA Tour, because that means the PGA Tour is going to win. I see what you mean. Like, I didn't expect him to come on and like publicly condemn Jay Monahan, but I wonder. That was what I was most curious about because he knew yeah. he was going to get asked. Because this is a huge point of intrigue: is what's going to happen with Jay Monahan? Is he going to be part of this or not moving forward? I did think his response. You could tell he. He was like kind of laboring a bit to to answer it. Let's play it. Um, he was asked if he still maintains confidence in Jay Monahan because what happens next with him will be super interesting. This is what Rory's comments were. We heard there was a lot of anger in the clubhouse yesterday in the meeting with the commissioner. Do you still have confidence in Jay Monahan as commissioner of the PGA? Yeah, I I do. Um, and look, I, I've dealt with Jay a lot closer than a lot of those guys have, and and. Um, from where we were a couple of weeks ago to where we are today, I think the future of the PGA Tour looks brighter as a, as a whole, as an entity. You know, what that looks like for individual players in terms of keeping a tour card and, you know, bringing players back into the fold and then that, you know, sacrifices other people, that's, that's where the anger comes from, right? And I, and I am, I understand that and like I, there, there still has to be consequences to actions. You know, the people that left the PGA Tour irreparably harmed this tour, started litigation against it. Like, we can't just welcome them back in. Like, that's not going to happen. And I think that was the one thing that Jay was trying to get across yesterday. Is like, guys, we're not just going to bring these guys back in and pretend like nothing's happened. Like, that is not going to happen. So I do have confidence in him. I think you, you ask the people around him that deal with him in a business sense, whether it's the directors of the board of the PGA Tour or the title sponsors that he deals with. I mean, he, you know, 
he seems to be a very impressive individ individual when it comes to in, when it comes to business. Hmm. So I I was confused about that because I feel like we're all strongly in the same boat that there's no real future for Jay Monahan with this, and to still say you have confidence in him. I don't know. I, I'm curious that stance. It's interesting that the biggest point of contention is letting live players back in. Like I, I, I think they're coming back mm -hmm. in some fashion. I think because I think live may cease operations at some point. Like not imminently. It's not going to happen in 2023. May not happen in 2024. But, but it's eventually not they last. will all be playing together. Yes. So like, how yeah, is that so going like, to work? I don't really understand that. Maybe it's just like, hey, you got to make us whole before those guys come back you pay or their a contracts fine? or whatever. Like I saw some people saying maybe you pay a fine for but why, back. But why would it matter? Like why would the Saudis who now run everything, why would they care? No, why, like, would they, why wouldn't they just be like, no, go play here. We want this to be the money-making entity. And mm -hmm. that, or there we go. Like maybe, maybe I think part of it is like, okay, Jay Monahan's going to have to do some dirty work and be the human shield a little bit here <laughs> for everything. But why I think he's ultimately okay with Jay Monahan is we heard about, oh, a 90-10 split between approval. Yeah. Rory's in the 10%. Mm. And Rory's in the 10% because he doesn't have to risk his tour card. He doesn't have to worry about not cashing in on all this. The, you know, all the incentive programs, all the money that's going to be funneled in, Rory's going to be there with his hands wide open accepting a lot of that. Rory's going to get paid here. And Rory, as he was quick to point out in that press conference, was never offered anything. So he didn't lose a dime. He was never going. They didn't even table him a contract or float anything by his agent. Well, maybe they did. But he didn't leave any money on the table like Hideki Matsuyama did, close to $400 million reportedly. Like, where does that money come in? Yes, mm -hmm. Hideki's going to do okay, and maybe he saves face at least in terms of his public perception. But I don't think Hideki Matsuyama, even with this influx of money, is going to make the $400 million back. No. So whether or not Hideki's in the 10% or not doesn't really matter. But what does matter is that Rory is in the 10%. So he's going to probably support everyone because if he's leading a, at least a, some sort of crusade towards positivity, he puts himself at the front of the line to actually benefit and make decisions around the PGA Tour. Mm -hmm. He can make the decisions that help set up for the future and he can be first in line at the buffet, to ready to scoop all mm -hmm. the money onto his tray and, and, you know, actually work towards a better state of the game. So I, I think Rory's in a good spot. The person who's not in a good spot is the 140, 40th ranked player in the world who hasn't got a PGA Tour victory, who has to worry about their player card because now they're not going to get access to all that money because they got to win in order to get it. Mm -hmm. And their future is uncertain. Those players, a lot of the players who are at the Canadian Open right now, let's be honest, yep. are the ones who are in the more... Uh, uncertain state while the guys who did turn down that money, while they might be a little salty because, hey, uh, you guys did what you told me you weren't going to do, they're going to get that money eventually. John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, we're talking five years from now, they might make more money in the next five years than they've ever made on tour, and they've made a ton of money on tour. We'll get a sense from Adam Stanley what those other players are feeling because we've heard a lot about what the tension was like we heard that some of the lower ranked players might have had some words to say mm -hmm. in this closed door meeting um and ultimately they don't matter as much they don't and that's too bad that's just the way the world but goes. they're there and they're here in toronto so maybe we'll get a little sense from adam stanley he's coming at seven um but the saudi money can't buy everybody because Messi turned down 1.6 billion dollars on three-year deal to go play for a saudi club to join MLS into Miami in a monster, monster, like we've seen some huge, like seismic 
sports moves in the last two days. Somebody bought a sport mm-hmm. and Messi moved to MLS and decided to turn down $1.6 billion to play here in North America and the most recognizable person in sport probably is Messi. And he's the gonna, most famous soccer player of all time. And he's going to be playing in Miami and changing the, sh- the face of soccer here in North America. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like it'll be just sometime this summer when it officially happens. Uh, chose He chose MLS and Inter-Miami. Uh, David Beckham obviously co-owns that team. Had offers from other European clubs. Obviously, he really wanted to go to Barcelona. We know about that story um, previously. He just won the World Cup. There's so much that is coming with Messi to this continent it's going to be unbelievable it's funny you say like all these seismic things and i don't know if orbiting is a verb but it all orbits around (laughs) saudi money saudi money yeah and this one of course detracts from saudi money and he makes a decision to turn down that money to play in those leagues domestically that no one ever sees any footage of like have you seen cristiano ronaldo uh, play a game for whatever team he plays for no so it's kind of like that is ultimate sports washing. It's like just going to obscurity where it's like not even on anyone's mind. And Messi could have done that. Mm-hmm. And Messi could have not, I mean, he's already the most, like, not the most, but ridiculously, ridiculously rich. And he, he already could, has banked over $1 billion in his career on and off the pitch. And, and I don't know, maybe he could double that if he played for five years under the Saudi uh, system. But at some point, money loses its value a little bit, or at least has to. When you made over a billion, like, unless you're, this, these are my aspirations, and all my aspirations are to own things. It kind of loses. Like, if you just want to live a good life, then a billion dollars in career earnings should be enough. You're probably good. And going to MLS and living in Miami and, and go, coming over and experiencing North American culture. Like, so, at some point, you have to value those two things against each other. Cristiano Ronaldo chose money. And mm-hmm. Leo Messi, who is doing, doing it the way it's supposed to be done. I mean, this is how MLS designed things. Hey, come over after. We'll... Glitz and glamour will show you everything. Miami will we'll go to LA. We'll do all these great things. This is how they always wanted it to work. And with the biggest star the sport has ever produced, it has worked. Messi coming over to MLS is a massive deal. When Messi is at BMO Field, it's going to be a massive deal. Every time he's on the road, it's going to be a massive deal. This guy just won the golden ball at the World Cup and lifted Argentina to its greatest triumph ever on the sporting mm-hmm. stage. Like this is this is a massive, massive deal for the MLS to get a guy who can still probably walk onto any MLS pitch and be the best player oh, yeah. hands down probably for the next five years if he so chooses. So it's a huge deal for MLS. I don't think it's anything to Saudi. It's just whatever. Well, we'll get the next one. And they did. <laughs> they got Kareem Benzema and mm-hmm. they've got Cristiano Ronaldo and they'll continue to get guys. But Messi doing this is far more palatable, means more to the MLS than... We probably even know. And I'm frankly really looking forward to seeing him in MLS, even though I'm not the biggest MLS fan going. Well, you will be now. And so will uh, thousands and thousands of people. Uh, people. Yesterday, Inter-Miami had added 2.1 million Instagram followers in eight hours. Wow. That's 73 new followers a second after Messi was announced. And now they have the most followed MLS club, of course, already in one day. And their odds, their title odds, they're not a good team. Like I, I, I Google Inter Miami and I'm like, oh, <laughs> they were two hundred to one to win the title. Mm-hmm. As soon as Messi's news announced, moved to thirty to one immediately. <laughs> we, might, we might have to jump on that. Ticket sales? How bad could they possibly ticket be? Ticket sales went from ticket sales went from uh, eighty bucks to hundreds and hundreds of dollars for when Messi will go to whatever city he's going to go to. This is 
this is great. Like this is this is I don't know what else it compares to. Like this is crazy in terms of a structure change, a sport change, everything that's going to happen with MLS. And I wanted to bring up the unprecedented contract too, because obviously MLS doesn't have Saudi money. They don't have $1.6 billion to give Messi. But what they did do was structure a very interesting contract, which I wonder if we'll see more of this in sport when you're trying to compare money to when you're trying to when you're trying to when fight off Saudi competition no, in terms of there's no way to compare money, right? Yeah. So Messi's deal uh, with Miami will include salary, bonuses, and equity in the team, which he's, is awesome. Yeah, he's also going to earn from MLS's main sponsors, Apple and Adidas. So it sounds like he's going to get a share of Apple's revenue from the MLS season pass and a share of Adidas prophecies and Adidas athlete anyway um, from the MLS arrival. So. Hey, we can't give you $1.6 billion, but we can give you a lot of other things, which will maybe one day, I mean, probably not get to 1.6 bill, but it'll give you more like longevity. Yeah. He, yeah, he probably, yeah. um, in terms of he wants to reportedly own a MLS franchise. So you're already getting a stake in one. David Beckham's done it. Sounds like there's some opportunities to get involved in owning a franchise. You're not doing that Saudi Arabia. Well, you could take Saudi Arabian money and and, and pretty but much do whatever different. you want. Would you not want to own a, a team where people watch and, and, and consume in North America and do something different and I would think start so. to change that around? So I would think so, yeah. He's getting something really unique and uh, a revenue cut of, of these things will be really interesting to kind of follow around and, and understand. Like, we don't know all the percentages and stuff yet. He hasn't officially signed anything yet, but it's going to happen. Well, it's it's the best that a organization or country that doesn't actively print money yeah, can do, can do. Mm-hmm. And, and it's amazing and it's equity and it's all the things that people and athletes in North America haven't gotten before and maybe this is a precedent setting move in that mm-hmm. you know there is equity available there are you know cuts of TV deals and sponsorship agreements this is this is a big move for not just Messi and soccer and I guess global football but like yeah, other people are going to pay attention to this and maybe they can get some of the, the pie as well. Maybe Austin Matthews can sign for less and they can give him a revenue share in Drew House. I believe that would be uh, circumventing. <laughs> Damn it. It should be. It should be, though. How about the month that Florida has had? Miami Heat in the final. Florida Panthers in the final. You're getting messy to enter yeah, Miami. Saudi Arabia being the what's, what's everything the is sport? orbiting yeah, around. The it's Miami. The center of the world is Miami. Yeah. Must be nice. Anyway, it's going to be incredible when Messi makes his debut. If you get an opportunity, and I believe that Inter-Miami isn't playing at BMO till next season. Mm-hmm. They've already been here. So next season, can you imagine the city when Messi is coming here? Like I, it's We're going to have the World Cup. This is like a, a tease at what yeah. the chaos is going to be like when the World Cup comes to Toronto. Should I, I apply for already, my press pass Yes. Now? Hello. We'd love to go cover it. Um, I can already see the gardener like slammed, DVP can't move, hotels selling out. It's a baby, baby look at what it's going to be like when the World Cup comes and we have not the right infrastructure yet to so start building. We got one year. Yeah, that's going to be an event. Get your Airbnbs ready because you can probably make bank on one weekend of Messi coming to Toronto. Yeah, you better apply. The restaurants better get ready. And what a life living in Miami. Like he's uh, the most recognizable face in soccer, maybe in other sports in general. He's just going to be what, strutting around South Beach. He's going to live a very interesting life in terms of fame. Like it's a not, it's a popular spot. People are going to hunt down Messi. This is the final chapter that Messi deserves. 
Yeah. Like, yeah, you deserve the money. You could take the money. But, like, living in Miami, owning part of the franchise. Put, Amazing. Put setting yourself up to be an owner of a team after and living in Miami. Like, that is that is how it always should have been for Messi. All right. We'll do more soccer chat at 730. Uh, Tony Miola. Former USA national team goalkeeper, current MLS on Fox color analyst. He's going to join us. Is this the biggest moment in MLS history? That's a big one. David Beckham was a big one. But this, I think, usurps it all. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Beckham Beckham laid important, important groundwork. Uh, Was it indispensable? I'm not really sure. But the MLS structure... And the way things have gone when they've been most successful is because David Beckham did it first. It was and Beckham massively was a little important. different though too because he's got the posh spice roots. He's kind of like the he, sexy TMZ cover model coming to the United States. And yeah, he was in a little different part of his an career. English audience, different part of his career too, right? Yeah, I then think he Messi came a didn't little come later. right after one. Messi would be more dominant. Yes, a hundred percent. He just won the World yeah. Cup, and he could still he could still ball for a couple of years. Different and different times and different eras, but yeah, Messi, I think, has got to be number number one for I sure. I think more, uh, maybe, maybe that's not true. I would say, just like anecdotally, though, more of a global superstar than Beckham was at the yes. time. Yes. And Beckham was a global superstar, but Messi certainly transcends that. Okay. Uh, 595.90 for all your thoughts and comments on Messi, on Rory, on uh, Chris Bassett, <laughs> and the speedy, speedy pitching that he is. Um, how are you handling the smoke? Let us know. Uh, Adam Stanley at 7 o'clock. We'll do the A-list before that. And then we've got Julia Kreutz and John Calpari, head coach of the Kentucky Wildcats, um, who has a lot of former players dominating right now in the national championship. We've got to get to Jamal Murray, what he's been able to do, especially last night, another like a triple-double at the same time as Jokic, uh, the first time that two players have ever had a triple-double in the same night in the NBA Finals. Like There's just so much that's going on with him. Pride and joy of Kitchener. I'm seeing watch parties. Uh, the vibes are extremely high. We'll get to all that um, in the next couple hours on the Fan Morning Show. But the A-list on the other side of the break. Sports, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Now it's time for hey, yo. the A-list. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up, baby? Do you believe in curses, Justin? Uh, when it benefits my arguments. Okay. Well, I hope you don't believe in it because the Madden curse, it's been rumored to maybe have been abolished. Ooh, it's our annual revisiting of the Madden curse. Why was it abolished? Well, it's kind of lost its luster a little bit. Why? Did something happen? Did someone break the curse? Well, yeah. Or people just sick of talking about it? I think, well, Patrick Mahomes was on the cover last year. And they, of course, are Super Bowl champions. Yeah. Okay. So I think that means he, the curse is probably... I, I think that's a good omen for where you're going. That's a good omen. So <clears throat> Josh Allen is going to be Madden's cover boy this year. Mm-hmm. And I love it. And I think it's wonderful. And there's no <laughs> such thing as the Madden curse because there's been some, there's been some, uh, there's been some really good success stories. Patrick Mahomes was on Madden 2020. Uh, they went on to win the Super Bowl. He was also a Madden 2022. They went on to win the Super Bowl. There's a couple bad ones in there. That's fine. How about Mahomes monopolizing the cover? Yeah. So there's some bad ones, though, if you go back in history. So if I did some research, it's been 
1999, out of the 26 NFL players who have appeared on the cover of Madden, 15 have suffered injuries. It's a pretty mm. good amount. That's, yeah. That's... <laughs> 15 of 26 is a percentage that I can't do on the fly, but it's high. That's real cursy. And, but it's kind of tailed off since the mid-2010s. So I think that that's a, it's a good feeling. It's a good vibe. Bills fans should feel confident that uh, just it's going to bode well for Bills Mafia. That's not my, uh, honestly, biggest concern about the Buffalo Bills is the Madden cover. Okay. I just, uh, I worry about them. We're not there yet. We're not doing any NFL. I'm mm-hmm. not there. I haven't, like, gone through the roster. But I feel like, you know, we talk about Morosi, windows closing before they open. Yeah. I guess theirs was open, but... I'm a little concerned. The door is is not opening more. Things get more difficult. It's either stopped and maybe it's closing a bit, but it's still open. You can still fit through the door. You can fit through the door. You can fit through the door. The, anyway. ma- the Madden game will not shut the door. I think that's correct, and I'm going to believe it with all my heart. Um, Josh Allen, first timer up on the cover of Madden. Uh, someone that's never played a video game. I've never played Madden, I mean. I, maybe it's the year that I... No, I don't think so. No, nah, probably not. Anyway, that's your A-list today. Um, had more, but uh, we're up against the clock. We got Adam Stanley joining us at 7. We need to get the update on the air quality at the Canadian Open because uh, we're about 5 minutes and 23 seconds away from the first time. I mean, we know time. by now, right? I don't know. Maybe he's going to break the news. <gasps> Adam Stanley joins us next from the Canadian Open with a tea time for the very first group in about five minutes. Hopefully it goes off without a hitch.